0: Afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Collective. I'm your host, James Hicks. Uh, on this stream, we talk about all things technology, all things from the enterprise technology perspective, and we interview folks within the IT space who are making a difference. Today, we are definitely going to have a awesome show. Uh, ragu Bala is the CEO founder of NetObjects. He's a technology thought leader. He's an entrepreneur. He's an educator at MIT, and he is an author. His company, NetObjects, is an organization based in Southern California that has been focused on building a cognitive automation platform using IoT, AI, and blockchain. I I love that. And we're going to get into that conversation here in a second. We're going to talk about why NetObjects matters to each of us. We're going to discuss kind of the concept of a digital asset as a service. We're going to hear you know, Raghu's take on the metaverse. You know that has been definitely front of mind with a lot of folks nowadays. And we're also going to get into NFTs and currency and allow Raghu to explain what solutions and services NetObjects is providing within the digital asset
1: marketplace.
0: With that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Raghu, sir. How are you doing? Thank
1: you. Uh, thank you for having me, James. I uh, Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Doing fine. <laughs>
0: awesome, awesome. What is the weather like down there? You're, you're down in, in, in Southern California. I was just there not August, too long ago. Uh,
1: usually sunny, but the last couple of days have been sort of uh, yeah, like, man. Uh, overcast, overcast a little
0: bit. It's all good. Nothing, nothing nothing, but good stuff for sure, for sure. Let's go ahead and get focused and let, let's get into it because I want to be cognizant of your time, sir. Tell us first and foremost, I, I gave kind of the high-level uh, elevator pitch, but give the folks a little background on you first and then if you can go into kind of what net objects is and and what your yeah. focus and your missions are
1: sure sure so i'm a serial entrepreneur i've been in the industry for about 30 years and uh net objects is my fourth startup the previous three i sold helped sell to public companies i was a founder co-founder in many of them and uh, i started my career on the east coast i'm originally from singapore I came to the u.s to study and then started my career on the east coast and then uh uh, my travels took me all over America, but, you know, ultimately ended up in Seattle when one of the companies I started got sold. And then uh, from there, I uh, ended up at Yahoo for a little bit. And then I was the CTO for automotive.com. And uh, after that, I uh, started NetObjects. In between, um, I've always had, a, I've had an interest in teaching. And so when I was in East Coast, I used to teach at uh, Columbia University. Last four years, I've been teaching uh, AI and uh, blockchain online at MIT Sloan uh, for the Get Smarter platform, and, um, and that keeps me sharp. Always uh, try to combine both academia with uh, my industrial work. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. you you are definitely uh, not sitting around on your on your on your hands. You're definitely staying active and staying focused. So I, I like that, right? And and I think. What I understand of what NetObjects does, you know, powering the Internet of Things kind of is, is kind of the, is the statement that you have on, on your site. Talk to us a little bit about what that means. And then I really want to get into, selfishly, I, I'm incredibly interested in this digital asset as a service concept that you and I talked about not too long ago.
1: Sure. So actually, when, uh, when NetObjects started, what kicked it off was the idea of intelligent um, things, intelligent objects and i was a cto of a media company i will just quick i like to give stories so i'll just give you a background yeah so i used to be a cto of a media company and one day we had a barbecue in the company and one of my engineers you know just got to talking with me and i said hey what do you do uh on a weekend and the guy said i'm tinkering around with arduino and i said okay what's arduino and i started to get into and this is 2010 so i started to get into it and then i said oh okay you know what the area of electronics engineering i'm a software engineer by training but always had an interest in uh, uh, you know electrical stuff and electronics but what happened with arduino and raspberry pi and all of these technologies they made it very modular such that even a software mm. engineer can get into hardware very very easily so my company at that time was the number two uh, distributor of magazines in the us and i was actually the cto and um, I I was in charge of digital, so I was not in charge of the physical magazine. So okay. a lot of the viewers might have heard of Motor Train, Hot Rod, a lot of the car magazines. I had like sixty car brands and about uh, say thirty or forty other brands in uh, sports and uh, other things. So so we were a magazine distribution company, and the magazine side, as you know, was just tanking because everyone started to you know use the iPads or web right or uh, digital for consumption. Magazine, yeah. physical magazine. The only time you buy a physical magazine maybe. You get on a plane or something like that. That's about it. <laughs> That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. So so I told my company, okay, give me this uh, magazine. They used to actually distribute magazine racks uh, to Kroger, Walmart, uh, Barnes & Noble, the airport stores and things like that. So I said, you know, give me one of your magazine racks. Let me make it into a smart rack. And so I started to tinker with it. And, you know, some of the viewers might be interested to know, whenever you put lights on a magazine rack and it lights up when you walk up to it, increases sales by 14%. So I started to do all kinds of funny things to make this rack into a smart rack.
0: Marketing and, genius right there.
1: <laughs> and then eventually what happened was uh, Kroger and Walmart really liked it. But my company at the time, they were old magazine guys. So they said, ah, this is too much for us. And they, and this is before people called it IoT or Internet of Things. And then I said, you know what? Uh, I left the company later on. And I said, let me, let me just take this idea and go with it. And a couple of guys followed me. And we started our objects, and literally started in my garage. And I still have some of the hardware <laughs> lying in my garage. I
0: love it. <laughs> all, all the good ones started in the garage, right? You, you, Apple, you know, HP. You guys all started. I think Google, in garage, no, Google started on campus at Stanford, but uh, no, that's uh, that's good stuff.
1: Literally in the garage. So what happened was after we took this IoT idea by itself, I started to take this magazine rack idea and generalize it so that anything in the world can be instrumented. I can remotely control literally anything in the world, uh, by using IoT. And uh, that sounds like uh, pretty pretty interesting, but also can be very dangerous stuff. A <laughs> so you know, little, little
0: Elon Musk, the robots are coming kind of thing. But, you know, but, <laughs> that's, but that's, that's, that's a good thing. conversation. No, yeah, let's get into yeah. it.
1: <laughs> so I used to, you know, when I was at the media company, I used to uh, change signage on the magazine sitting in my office in California, but the equipment might be somewhere in Wyoming or Utah, or somewhere like that. Okay. It doesn't matter. You could be anywhere and you could do things remotely. But using that germ of an idea, we started to build an object. But soon we realized we needed two other components to make it really intelligent. Uh, IoT, if you look at it from a human perspective, IoT is like your five senses God gave you as well as your limbs. But then there's no real brains behind it. So you definitely need AI and then you need memory which Mm. is blockchain. If you think of it from the human context, thinking is AI, memory is blockchain, and your limbs and hands and arms and all those things and sensors are IoT. So when you combine those three, you are now very ready to take on the machine economy. So in the sort of uh, internet, uh, sorry, in the software arena, we have seen uh, the gig economy, like, you know, Mm. companies like Upwork and And, uh, you know, uh, there's a few others, uh, Fiverr and so on. Then you saw the uh, sort of sharing economy, Airbnb, uh, Uber, and and so on. Now you're going to see two new economies come up. They're already there, you know, but they're not really promoted heavily. One is the uh, creator economy. And you are starting to see that creator economy take shape through these NFTs and things like that, which we'll discuss in a bit. And then the other one is the machine economy. So because I was in the car space. I know some of these things like, for example, I know for a fact that Tesla cars actually have had wallets embedded in them since 2016. And actually uh, one of the persons on our board of advisors is the ex-CIO of Tesla. And um, Daimler actually a couple of years ago uh, introduced a module you can plug into any car that would have a wallet built in. So this idea of machines you know, being empowered to do things. Uh, we actually demonstrated this at a event, a big IoT event in the Bay Area, about in 2018, partnering with companies like Advantech and IOTA and so on. Where mm-hmm. we showed a car could pay a parking meter through cryptocurrency and have a conversation. Uh, we'll first validate: Hey, are you really a car or a guy with a phone trying to scam the car? <laughs> and then vice versa: the car is trying to the parking meter is trying to say, okay, uh, uh, the cars are asking the parking meter, are you really a parking meter? And vice versa. And uh, these objects <clears throat> could be registered in different blockchains, uh, heterogeneous blockchains. So those who are familiar in the blockchain space know about Ethereum and so on, which are like the first movers and so on. But then there are others which are coming up very, very fast. There is Solana, there is Algorand, there's many, many other chains which are really taking off. Yeah. And so you have this concept of uh, authentication, making sure that you are who you claim to be. And then uh, you have a transaction to pay for parking or fast food or, uh, you know, tolls or whatnot. So when we talk about autonomous cars, we always talk about the mapping, the LIDAR detection and things right, like that. Right. But then we, we have to think about the next step. Okay, let's imagine there are a bunch of companies working on that. I'm going to assume that they're going to get it right because they seem to be on the right track. But then comes the sort of commercial model on top of that. What does the car do when, once it's autonomous? It will buy stuff for you. You'll send your car on a grocery run. That's interesting. <clears throat> Things like that. You know, yeah, actually you, you,
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead, but you, you just you just a bit in my a, head.
1: Domino's has a kind of an offering. Uh, it doesn't work in my area because I live in a hilly area. But but they have an offering where the uh, the uh, what do you call it? The autonomous vehicle comes and drops off the pizza, not a person.
0: Right. Yeah, I've seen the commercials. Right
1: and and they have that and then uh, actually uh, since both of us both our, our daughters go to ucla uh, ucla my to daughter the ordered, they have the small pod have you seen that i've
0: seen them <laughs> yeah i come it's pretty food.
1: cool yeah it, it's a robot it, you know my daughter ordered this uh, this thing in the food and you have to punch in a number and open yeah. up and pick up your food sort of thing, so
0: I've seen, so let, let's let's unpack some of that cuz we we went into a whole different lot of things and and my mind is scattered already uh, but let, let's rewind back to you you were talking about autonomous vehicles and the fact that these EVs you've already seen and demonstrated and utilized the functionality of where the cars themselves right yeah. can bring and show and I like the statement that you mentioned, commercial value. Yeah, we, we're talking about auto steer. We're talking about autopilot. We're talking about all these other things from a consumer perspective. But okay. on on the commercial side where you can actually pull up at a toll booth, pull up at a parking meter, wherever, and have the car authenticate itself with the device and actually have right. a monetary transaction happen. Right. That's something that, again, I'm not sure a lot of us. Could, look, I, I I got a Model S sitting in the garage. So, some you know, I'm thinking about some of the things that are happening on, on that side as well. But I was not even considering the car being smart enough to do some of those transactions for me. Right. I knew yeah, it was the safest okay. thing on the road where it can, it can make sure that I don't run in anything and, and it can steer and park and drive itself. But again, from a commercial perspective, actually being able to as I'm going through the tow, as I'm leaving here, down 80, going to your neck of the woods and, and I cross through the uh, um the toll booth in San Francisco. Instead of me having to pull out $8, because it's something like $8 now, have the car take care of that and already have that in some type of a crypto wallet or some type of exactly. PayPal integration. That That's interesting, and that's pretty uh, fantastic to think about. That Again, you said what year was that, that you already tested that? Uh,
1: 2016 is when they put it in. Okay, okay. But it's been dormant. All these wallets in cars have been dormant. They're not really being used. <clears throat> but I do know companies have started to experiment. In the car business, actually, their cycle time is very slow. It takes about five years for them to put the technology in before it hits the market. So people have to do a lot of legwork way ahead of the manufacturing cycle. <clears throat> but but that at least uh, so what what coming back to topic of how we integrate IoT, AI, and blockchain. So <clears throat> in the uh, you know in in many many circles it's called edge computing, right? IoT is at the edge, mm-hmm. it's the last mile. that last mile is where you collect data you transact you you can emit data or you can collect data and then that comes into the cloud and in the cloud you do all the heavy lifting and that's where ai comes in to figure out either some anomalies or it can look for patterns it can look for you know various things in the data itself that you have collected blockchain comes in when you have transactions a lot of people talk about crypto and they, they, they confuse crypto with blockchain so crypto is definitely an important part of blockchain but not the only part of blockchain mm. right so blockchain can be a system of record a lot of times we are using blockchain in supply chain so- solutions for a provenance to figure out what is the provenance of products where did this come from I'll give you a quick example like we have six billion dollars worth of diamonds on the net objects platform and about a million diamonds <laughs> Uh, eight of the top ten manufacturers, and we are selling these diamonds through eBay. Now, what happens is <clears throat> you want to know is this diamond lab grown or is it a mined diamond, like a natural diamond? Okay, okay. Is it, is it what are the four uh, C's c- color, carrot, clarity, and cut? Right. And then uh, you want to know uh, has this diamond been pre owned or is it new? So for those who are listening, mm. I got shocked when I first got into the business because we had to do a joint venture as a company to bring these diamonds onto our platform. And I found out that 40% of all diamonds sold, sold in retail in America are used. Sold as new, but used. Really? Uh, Man,
0: don't tell my wife that. That might, well. No. <laughs> I tell <you,
1: laughs> they astounding because there is no way to to, to figure out where it came from. Yeah, but so okay. what we've done with the blockchain is to use it for provenance to figure out where it came from and then figure out whether the or the ownership history as well, where okay. this diamond beam prior to this. And every diamond has got a laser inscription inside it. So there is the laser inscription that ties it to a blockchain record. And then the blockchain record has the GIA certificate with the four C's mm-hmm. and all of those. And then we we put in there like James owns this diamond or something yeah. like that. If you happen to sell it, then the second owner and so on and so forth, all that gets maintained, and that requires partnership with the retail chains and you know manufacturers and and so on and distributors like EVA and others. So
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. And and talk to us about you know where NetObjects fits into gathering all all of this data, and then you know I guess at the end end of the day, what. Is being done with that data? I mean, obviously, as we've talked about, we've used the word, and you've used the word commercialization of these types of uh, bits of information. There's there's value in having that that deep level of information and and being able to disseminate that and being able to use that for whatever vertical, whatever industry that you're in. I mean, that that just sounds like the the value add of someone like you at, at, at NetObjects, right? Having the technology to, to dissect oh, all mind- that.
1: Uh, if you can put up one of the slides, I just want to go through uh, 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 a picture that will, will describe a lot of things. Sure. Uh, so what we do is if you go into the... can um, uh, go up a little bit, uh, about a few slides up. I'll show you a slide that talks about uh, what we... Um, the four tracking, tracing, monitoring that we do. Okay. So if you go up... Yeah, right, right here. So if we can... If you can zoom in a little bit, that'll help. Um, So here, what we are talking about is um, if you see the, the, you know, blockchain and all that is in the news, but uh, along with the word blockchain is the word digital asset. So Mm -hmm. what's happening is in the area of technology, all assets across, actually not only area of technology, but across all industries, this word asset has a new meaning today and what we have done in our platform is we do four functions with assets we can track them we can trace them we can monitor them and we can tokenize them so when i talked about when i talked earlier about diamonds we are actually having the traceability component we know where it came from and where it ended up and who owns it and those types of things so Got you. So, so in terms of assets what happens is some assets are Innately digital, that means they're already video in in, in sort of digital format, video, avatars, audio, things like that. There are assets which are physical, like container shipping or a fleet of vehicles or the diamond example that I gave you. Mm -hmm. And then the third class of assets are what we call dynamic assets, assets that you have to measure, energy, water, carbon uh, emissions, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Those are things you have to measure before you can actually touch and feel it. These three classes of assets today uh, tend to be uh, you know, um, somewhat... In some cases, uh, they are liquid in the sense that you can turn it into cash very quickly. But in a lot of cases, they're very illiquid. That means there is no uh, ability to convert it into money. So what we do is we tokenize. So track, trace, monitor, and tokenize. When we tokenize, it goes into the fourth category, which is financial assets. Mm. Now what happens is... Once you tokenize, you can now trade that asset. So, for instance, we were a participant way back in 2018 with uh, Iberdrola, which is a big energy company in Spain. And we were tokenizing energy, uh, which is uh, wind, hydro, solar energy, okay. tokenizing it into an NFT. And today, NFT, everyone talks about NFT. We were doing NFTs way back then. But basically, this NFT can be traded in a marketplace. And then uh, those who want to buy that energy credit can purchase it and offset it against the energy bills. So that's sort of a thing where we take something as illiquid as energy, which something you can't even touch, but you can convert it into paper. You know, or, or when I say paper, like a bond, like a right, share. Right. Yeah. You convert it into a token that can now be traded. So that is what we are talking about when it comes to net objects. We have to take these different classes, classes of assets And then in in some cases, we just do track, trace, and monitor, but in a lot of cases, we also tokenize it. I'll give you one more example. We did a project with Accenture. So all Hmm. of us have, have stayed in hotels, right? When we stay in hotels, it's very different from how we behave at home. When we, be, when we are at home, we switch off the lights, we turn off the water, tap, and so on. But when you go to hotels, they're like, ah.
0: Yeah, you know. that's, well, no, yeah. I leave all the lights and the TV on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm that guy, we, yeah.
1: We sort of like let it be, <laughs> right? You know, so, so what? If we spend a little bit more water, we spend mm-hmm. a little bit more energy, who cares? But that's a problem for the hotel guys, right? The hospitality industry pays a huge bill for that. So what Accenture started to do with us is to to almost do uh, gamification of behavior. So in the sense that we have a water sensor placed in the bathrooms and so on, and that water sensor measures how much water is consumed. And for the top 10 people in the entire hotel who conserve water on a particular day, they get tokens. And those tokens can be redeemed for food, drinks, and uh, entertainment at the hotel. So it sort of gamifies the experience so that you now have to behave well to get tokens so that you get some benefit out of it. It's a win-win because the hotel saves you. You win. So that
0: is, that is so cool. And and you know, folks will be into that, right? That they will have the app loaded on their phone. They will be telling their kids to turn the lights off, stop running the water, and all of that to get whatever those incentives are. And leaderboards, you know, we, we, we love leaderboards. Exactly. So that, that's incredible that that you you're doing that. And I can I definitely can see that being successful, especially but yeah, at you hotels.
1: Can, it, it, IoT for the sensor, blockchain for the tokens, combined in our platform, and then the token is a digital asset. You right. tokenized some behavior actually. You actually tokenize behavior, and then and then you you have a marketplace to spend it on. So it's kind of cool. These are types of things you can do with our platform. Kind of yeah. interesting stuff. That's
0: interesting, and and that actually helps to. I guess, identify and helps to define what these, these concepts are, right? When we say AI, when we talk about artificial interli- intelligence, when we talk about machine learning, right? A lot of times those are large concepts, but when, but when you put them kind of into everyday practice, again, talking about staying at a hotel and this is what you can get if you do X, Y, and Z. That helps breaks down the, I'm going to call it the technology divide of some of these larger enterprise conversations, right? It, it kind of makes it plain, makes it relevant to people, and, and they want to get into it. They want to understand more of it, and, and at the end of the day, understand and know what NetObjects is doing, right? Uh, let's. Did you want to go more into into the yeah, slide yeah. deck um, or anything? Because go, this this is a great deck.
1: Down, yeah, if you go down the fli- uh, deck, a couple of slides, okay. uh, I wanted to talk about digital asset as a service so now we have come to the point where these enterprises are uh, beginning to understand the power of iot ai and blockchain mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to see where can i capitalize on this technology and so in order to simplify adoption of these technologies what we have done is much like uh, you know the infrastructure as a service companies like aws or uh, Uh, Azure and so on, they provide a number of building blocks. What we have done is we we are providing higher level building blocks. So if you can zoom in on this asset as a service uh, um, slide, I can talk about the five building blocks that form the pillars of what we offer. Okay, so we can go left to right. So the first building block is a digital twin service. So what it does is, so, so for those who are Matrix fans, you like our names because a lot of I them did I did notice <laughs> that. That's a new Matrix movie coming out, by the way. Just, you know, two so points
0: you know. for, for objects and you, Raghu, for, for your naming scheme. I, I did notice that. It's pretty cool, brother. It's pretty <laughs> so, cool.
1: So Neo is the digital twin service. So what it does is basically takes a physical object and creates a digital twin. And people will say, what is a digital twin? Actually, all of us are using digital twins every day. We don't seem to think about it as such. Your LinkedIn profile, your Facebook profile, all of those are your digital avatars, your twin. In fact, they make you put a small circular image there to show your face. That's a digital twin. It happens to look like you. Your photo is there. But it's your representation on on the internet. Same thing here. These objects, your car, your refrigerator, your industrial machinery, your fleet of trucks whatever your container shipping, whatever it might be, a physical object has a digital representation. Mm. That's what a digital twin is. Okay, next thing is, I'll just jump to the yellow one, which is uh, uh, the green one, which is authentify. So a lot of times when you have the digital objects, we have to make sure that these objects are uh, authentic. You know, mm. They're not fake, they're not counterfeit, they're not used, things like that. So in the diamond example, I told you a little bit about that provenance and things like that. So that Will happen to fall under this authentication where we we authentication or we call it authentify, but basically what it does is it tracks the provenance of items. Next is tokenization, the yellow one, the, uh, the yellow one in the middle, tokenization. So what we do is once we have the digital asset in our platform, we authenticate it. Next thing we tokenize it to figure out, okay, let's convert it into NFT or regular token and things like that. And uh, once it's tokenized, Actually, what we do is we unlock the liquidity in that particular asset. Mm. Okay. Uh, because until then, it's a very illiquid asset. Now it's very liquid. You can do various things with it. So I give you the example of diamonds. I'll give you an example of energy and things like that. So it becomes very liquid. And along with the uh, tokenization comes the need for a marketplace. So we have a market. The Trinity has got a marketplace technology where we do the matching between buyers and sellers and, and transacting between them and things like that. Next comes Artemis, which is a kind of a storefront. Um, uh, so for example, if you tokenize an asset and you want to sell it as an NFT, you have to need a storefront. So think of it as Shopify for NFTs. Okay. You create your storefront or you can create a marketplace, either one. Storefront is when you do a first time sale marketplace is when you do secondary sales. So, for example, we are talking to a major sports league, I won't mention names, but major sports league, and what they want to do is uh, some of their merchandise, it could be a signed ball of some sort, or a jersey of a team and things like that, that would be placed in the storefront. Now, uh, the, the once it's purchased, the NFT is purchased for that particular asset, we may even ship the asset to your home along with the digital representation of it. Now, what happens is you can, Create that NFT if you want to, um, and uh, with other people. And that might be in a marketplace. Uh, another example is uh, we've got a big car auction company that we are speaking with. And that car auction company basically auctions of exotic cars, classic cars, and so on. And what they want to do is to create these playing cards. These playing cards are just like, you know, your tops, uh, baske- uh, baseball right, cards.
0: Right.
1: You want to create play- digital playing cards. So you can swap those playing cards with other people. And, you know, you might end up in your stack of 20 cards. You might get a Lambo, which is very rare or something like that. Or it might be a, just a plain old car, but tomorrow Jay Leno's Garage buys it. Or something. <laughs> yeah. now that car He will
0: move that the market, thing. won't he? Yeah. Uh.
1: Yeah. Or or, uh, uh, or a basketball player uh, uh, starts to buy that car, something like that. Boom. You know, that price went go up. So you never know. So you have the digital playing cards and those can be traded and things like that. And the last one off to the right, if you scroll off to the right, Uh, is um, the last product called TrueDocs. And what it does is what we call parametric contracts. So in many of these digital assets, you are dealing with contracts. And um, these contracts can be for various things. Uh, We have dealt with contracts in media, for example. Like musicians always complain that they're not getting their fair share of revenues. So how do you ensure that? So if you use IoT to track every play on every device, Uh, We have worked with companies like Star TV in Asia and so on to demonstrate how you can track every device on web or on a set-top box or any other device uh, such that you can do revenue attribution more accurately using blockchain. So every time, and, and the artists themselves can also track that to say that, okay, you know what, I know that my song was played you know, one million and one times exactly in this month. And I'm owed so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the problem is we don't collect data properly. And so a lot of things fall by the wayside and everyone, someone is unhappy. And so with this, uh, with this platform, we have got um, sort of, I would say all of the compliments, all of the pieces, building blocks that one can build a digital asset business with. <clears throat> so that's what we offer.
0: Awesome. And the, the platform in and of itself is up and running. It's functional today, correct? Yes. From yes. a from an access perspective, you work directly with companies and organizations or, you know, where, where does the end consumer come, come into this? Are, are we just cons- yeah. actually doing the consumption of the the, the assets or can can we actually, can I actually integrate into your platform as a as a solo person?
1: So basically it's B2B2C. So we deal with uh, okay. businesses mm-hmm. and those businesses happen to have consumers usually. And so it's B2B2C and we go through two models of sales. One is uh, direct to enterprises. The second one is through partners like, you know, Entity Data or Accenture or Frost Digital or a number of different systems integrators integrate with us so that we can, uh, you know, we can serve their customers. And and they play an important role of trying to engage with customers, and you know we focus on technologies, we focus on the customer engagement part of it. Right, right.
0: That's that's amazing stuff. I, I wanted to ask you another question, and I wanted to go into the metaverse. Right, we, mm. we we've, we've talked about that a little bit, and it's become more and more part of the <laughs> normal dialogue based off of what Zuckerberg and, and Facebook have done over the last week or so, right? But talk to us a little bit about, I guess, your thoughts, your impressions, your feelings about what the metaverse is and kind of give us a take mm-hmm. on where you see NetObjects kind of integrating into, into
1: that environment. So I think of the metaverse as a, uh, the second coming of the web. If you look at the web wow. as a two-dimensional, um, two-dimensional UI, Metaverse is a three-dimensional UI. So it's web 3D. What we have today is web 2D. So if you put that yourself in that context, now there's going to be a land grab, literally a land grab, for web 3D. And uh, there are a number of different platforms vying for that position. Of course, the infrastructure building blocks are still being sorted out, and and, uh, Facebook is making a play for it. But I do see a day where you could, uh, you know, a number of other businesses will get online. I'll, I'll give you an example. So, you know, a lot of artists are conducting, uh, are doing concerts. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I read an article where uh, uh, I forget the name of the artist, but there are 40,000 people show up at this concert online in the metaverse. And, and they have uh avatar uh, uh, singing the song and, and dancing and whatnot. And people like you and me, we have our digital twin walking into the arena, buying a ticket and watching the show. So, you know, I know it might you're, seem like you're you blowing
0: the mind right here, all right? But but I can see it happening, and and. I, 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 understand it from a reality perspective but I, I don't know if i'm ready and i should be but yeah please continue because i, I am intrigued so, in this. this is good stuff so
1: Mark Zuckerberg, what he's trying to do is to embellish or enhance their experience yeah by saying that right now if you go to like those who are familiar with the metaverse already uh, they'll go to sites like uh, sandbox or uh, Decentraland. so Decentraland, if you go there you can create your own avatar and um and you can actually start walking and all you need is a laptop and you can start using the mouse and start walking into different spaces. And in fact, um, you know, NetObjects is starting to build its own uh, HQ on um, on Decentraland. I don't know if we can bring the clip just okay. to give uh, the users. Yeah, this is a video clip of what we are building and uh, we're calling it future space. It's a kind of a Funky building and uh, it's on a plot of land and actually it will be surrounded by other buildings and so on. But we just intently focusing on this, but um, and this building actually you can walk through it and you can teleport yourself to any floor and and so on. So you'll see that in a second. And so here are different pods where you can uh, showcase uh, screens or various digital assets and so on. You can talk to other people who are in the building. And um, you can also, you'll see the teleportation happen in a second here. Uh, But these are 3D spaces that one can literally walk into. So the number of art galleries, for example, Sotheby's has got an entire uh, sort of like auction space in uh, Decentraland. And so uh, what uh, what, um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is doing, they have something called Horizon Worlds. So that's their version of the 3d world there is uh decent land there's that terms there is uh sandbox there are a number of these worlds right uh, uh, and so what we are doing is we are using our uh, our building here and we actually bought this building if you can believe this we had to build the building but we bought the plot of land and it's not inexpensive let me tell you the cost. <laughs> and, and people were calling me crazy when i bought this land on, on uh, not physical land I mean yes yeah you bought free, virtual free land and
0: of, you paid a good penny for it I'm sure right
1: uh, yeah it stands a of dollars but then yeah, thank God for Mark uh, he, he made the announcement and is quadrupled in value so but <laughs> but, but and you and you look like a living. genius
0: right again, again you, you were so far ahead of it now you look like a genius
1: <laughs> but but this is the world we live in where we are starting to explore these 3d worlds. And the, the 2D web is sort of like, you know, outgrown. It's not, you know, it'll still remain. I'm not saying it'll just completely give way, but, but there are certain things. Like, I'll tell you, one industry that might get very disrupted is the trade show industry. So, you know, imagine going hmm. to some, you know, Vegas and walking through four days of trade show. Your legs are aching. And of course, there's some fun at the end, you know, like, you know, in the evenings, you can go and have, uh, you know, happy hour and go yes. to some events and so on. All that is fun. But if you, like, let's say you can't make it and you want to walk the floor of CES.
0: Which I, I, will, be in, I will be there in January. So don't take my CES away from me because I'm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I could, I could see a metaverse version of CES for those who can't make it. Wow. I could, I could see that. You could walk the floor. You can even, uh, you know, potentially I, we see linkages between the physical world and the metaverse world. Um, I could see that happening. That's, that's, um,
0: re- that's very cool. And question here from, from Kevin Cox. Um, and this is a good question. How do you consume this? Is something like Oculus with a VR headset? Or you know, how do you actually engage yeah. with, with these types of environments?
1: Yeah. So that's a good question, actually. what The current uh, metaverses that are out there, you don't have anything. I mean, you just uh, use your mouse to talk to people, talk in the sense that there's no sound or anything like that. Mm. You just chat. You you show up or you you go next to someone and you know kind of ping them and then they'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, what Mark Zuckerberg is talking about with Meta and this whole concept of Facebook is creating a space. You know, Facebook right now is just people liking and uh, and following and whatnot. But imagine Facebook becomes a kind of a three dimensional space where you can go and meet someone. You can literally go and meet someone. Uh, things like that. So. Uh, and they are thinking that you can use an Oculus headset to sort of like uh, um, you know navigate the space a little bit better than what just using a mouse or something like that. So so that will be a bit more immersive in it as an experience. Um, so that's what they're thinking.
0: Okay, so. and and you know what? for folks who have kids, they are hearing this and it, it it may be triggering something like I've I've heard this, I've seen this before, whatever. And but folks who don't probably haven't heard of things like Sims, uh, Minecraft, you know, products out of Roblox and things like that, because the Sims world, the Sims game is exactly that, right? Where you're engaging in a 3D virtual world. You're walking up, you're, you're having conversation, virtual conversations, you're exchanging, you're trading, doing commercial trading and things of that nature. And now bringing that game almost honestly, right? To reality kind of, in essence is what the metaverse is. So the folks who have teenagers and preteens have seen this type of thing already develop, evolve and almost mature in, in some of those games because there's, there's many levels and many seasons of those games, but now it's becoming reality right now. Company as big as Facebook changed their name to meta. They're completely focusing on that. You've talked about again, I don't, I don't want you to take my CES away from me again because I've already got my my airline tickets and my hotel reserved. But but again, not having to physically go to a uh, trade show, saving airfare, saving uh, expenses and things of that nature that's a huge thing. And still, can get all of the value from it. And right? you just don't, you just as you were saying, you just don't get some of those extracurricular activities at the end, uh, the networking, the meetings, whatever the case may be. But still, you get the value of. Uh, of the experience of of attending those events, even if it's virtual. that That's an interesting concept.
1: I can also see some other industries changing. For example, uh, if you talk about the sort of uh, industrial machinery or repair industry, you know, like something broke down in a factory, okay? Now yeah. you can virtually uh, uh, have someone who is, uh, you know, back at the office sort of like... Um, uh, uh, uh do certain things with your equipment uh remotely and uh and and once they start uh having a rendition of your equipment in the metaverse they can they can they, you know uh, uh turn a servo or something like that and then in the real world you could have something click things like that you know and i'm just i know it's a bit of an extension but that's where we are actually trying to do uh, what we are trying to do is uh if i switch on something in the metaverse it'll switch on something (laughs) in the real world. So that, that is the type of thing that we are
0: working on. Now, how far, and let me ask you this, this philosophical type of question, how far do you think we as a society are from actually adopting something of that nature? Short, mid, long term, you know, six months, eight months a year, five years, whatever the case may be, but because technology evolves quickly, but technology adoption is is very, very slow.
1: Yeah. I'm, so I, I'll say it this way. So I'm from Singapore, and Singapore is a very fast adopter of technology. Yeah. So I'm, I have a little bit of that DNA built into me. Yeah. But then I I do know that in a larger country like the U.S., the adoption curve is much slower. Actually, U.S. is a very good inventor of technology, but very slow adopter of technology. It's kind of a you know cash. You know, it's very weird. Actually, we invent a lot of things, but we <laughs> adopt very slowly. But if you go overseas, uh, you go to Hong Kong, you go to Singapore, you go to countries like that, they are like chop, chop. They are yeah. like anything comes out, they are immediately implementing it. But just to answer your question, I'd, th- I'd say that, uh, you know, uh, metaverse from an adoption standpoint, um, previously I would have said five years. Nowadays, they're saying, you know, uh, the uh, for those who know, uh, I forget the name, but uh, the book uh, Crossing the Chasm, uh, or... Or, you know, the uh, Moore's Law. Moore's law. Mm-hmm. So Moore's Law says mm-hmm. that every 18 months, you double the speed of your uh, CPU or something right. like that, right? That Moore's Law apparently is now halved. So the world is yeah. moving at a faster clip. Yeah. Okay. Chop, 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 chop. And I actually, I'm a teacher, right? So I, I teach and I tell people, you know, if you thought your degree was had a half-life of five years, think again. Because if you don't constantly read and learn and go to courses on, you know, Coursera or something like that, like what it is, you are not up to date, you are, you know, so if you're in the tech industry, if you want to keep up, um, I think, uh, uh, you know, you have to keep up uh, constantly and That's the same funny. thing with this adoption and what you're talking about, I think I give it three years because we are moving very, very, very quickly. You know, we are already doing uh, space tours, you know, and I was just talking yeah. to someone where, where, you know, Elon Musk or, uh, Uh, The Blue Origin from uh, Amazon. uh, Right, from Bezos. Yeah, I was was telling them, you know, the next thing they're going to do is to beam the kind of like uh, from those things, sell tickets to people like us who can't make it on those things. Wow. But then we can kind of see it from here. I would be doing that. I would be selling those tickets because I'd buy that ticket and watch what those people are watching. I can't do what they can do. I can't feel the... Lack, lack of gravity and so on, but at least I can see yes. how it feels. Right? There's, a,
0: there's a market for that as well. I, I would, I would, I would uh, be interested in. I don't know if I could afford it. You know, maybe I'll, I'll grab the VR headset from you and and, and sneak exactly. a peek. You know, for a couple of minutes. <laughs> no,
1: that, that's what you do. You do the VR headset and get that experience as though you're on the Blue Origin or not. Right. So that's
0: amazing. It it, it sounds far fetched, but but it's not anymore. Because again, we we are at the point where we're having commercial space travel now and it, right. it's it's amazing that, that that we have gone so far in so short period of time Regular, let, let me ask you kind of kind of in closing what what's next right what's next for net objects in in terms of getting the word out getting more adoption of the platform as especially just the whole digital asset as a service i'm i'm incredibly like i say uh interested in that and just what, what's the next steps for you and your organization? So
1: we are scaling at the, at the present time. We are getting more enterprise customers. We are putting our platform to full use, uh, seeing all kinds of use cases across the board in various industries. And, um, and I think the world is now ready to understand. You know, when I started to talk about some of these things about six, seven years ago, you know, I think people were looking out the window to see which sort of uh, Martian space vehicle I landed from or something like that. But that's changed, thankfully. Now, now they look at me as a human and I'm, I'm talking about things which they can understand. I think a lot of things have changed in the, kind of weird to say that, I don't mean it in the wrong way, but the pandemic actually has has helped in a number of ways in the adoption of technology, especially remote technologies. Mm-hmm. People have begun to, to really adopt a lot of remote technologies, which they would not have. And so for IoT things or metaverse things and so on, it's come into the common consciousness prime, you know, not fully due to pandemic, but I'm saying a certain portion of it is kind of true. People are beginning to see, okay, what's the difference between me uh, seeing seeing you on a Zoom camera versus you could be on Mars for like... (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It doesn't matter. True. So people are now okay with interacting with other people and other things and other objects uh, remotely. And, and I think that mindset has come primarily due to what we are, the whole world has experienced the last 24 months or whatever, right. 18 months or not, So Very cool.
0: Very, very cool stuff. I'll bring up the uh, the website here and I will actually put a link to uh, netobjects.com in the show notes so folks can actually see. Uh, everything in terms of solutions, who you are, what the services that you provide, uh, you know what's current, uh, why you're doing what you're doing. Again, the goals and the mission behind the organization, because again, it's a fascinating story. And and just hearing you articulate uh, the platform and talking about the whole NFT piece as well r- really made it made it plain for me. Like like my pastor always said, made it, make it make it plain, right? And and you and it really resonated with me when we started talking about the evs and and having the car smart enough to actually do commercial transactions that that's a fantastic uh phenomenon there that you said it was already out in 2016 and here we are 2020 almost 2022 right so i should be getting a software update in my car that, <laughs> that'll, that'll allow it to go through the toll booth without any problems but um no good good stuff um sir i thank you very much for for your time look this has been this has been fantastic and and i hope that the folks watching and listening got some value out of this uh definitely will be in an audio podcast as well so the folks who weren't able to see this session will definitely be able to hear it and again i'll include the links to you and your site so they can reach out and have some more engagement with you as well
1: thank you so much for having me
0: appreciate you. you sir be well thank you